Hello and welcome to the Legacy Church Sermons Podcast. At Legacy Church, we help people find their identity in Jesus and their place in His mission to impact the world through the gospel. We ask that you grab your Bibles, listen up, and we hope that you hear a great word from the Lord today. Good morning, church. How are we doing today? Oh man, y'all sound like our student ministry right now. How are we doing today? All right, there we go. All right. Man, I have to tell you, I was just sitting over there uh, listening to y'all sing out just now, and man, it was beautiful. Uh, man, I think the goodness of God has been on full display for us in student ministry. Man, this is day three straight of church. <laughs> uh, so if my eyes look a little heavy or if my voice seems a little raspy, uh, it's because God's goodness has been on full display the last couple of days. Uh, we, we had over 60 students here on campus between two different churches, uh, another 20 to 25 adult leaders here helping out. Uh, and man, God was, God was moving every step of the way. There's no major hiccups or, or bumps or bruises that you would expect from a big event like this. But man, um, everything just went so smooth. Our students, y'all, y'all paid such good attention to everything that we were doing. Our times of worship, our, our times where our guest speaker was digging into God's word with us, our, our mission project with Children's Hunger Fund up in Frisco. Uh, we had several students say that they wanted to choose Christ for the first time uh, in their life. Yeah, praise God. Praise God. Uh, and so, goodness of God. Uh, I mean, I can't think of a better way uh, to just really wrap up this entire weekend. Uh, it's just the, the goodness of God. Uh, on display this morning, but it is kind of interesting uh, to see kind of where we are now on Sunday morning uh, compared to where we started off this week, right? Like, have you ever felt like you, you just, you're not up for it, right? Has anybody ever felt that before? Like, you know that there's a big task coming, you know that you've got a lot of work to do, uh, but sometimes you just don't feel up to the task, right? You don't feel like you have the strength uh, or the wisdom that you need. Maybe you're tired, you're burnt out, uh, you just can't really keep yourself um, afloat, all right, or even keep yourself standing, and you're not really sure that you're going to be able to see the task through. Maybe sometimes I know, I know this is true in my own life. Sometimes I can feel indifferent, and I'm just not sure that I care enough about the task to really make sure that it gets accomplished. Uh, and I'll be transparent with y'all. I, I was feeling that a lot this week. The the tired factor, not the indifferent. Like I was super excited about the weekend, but uh, like I was feeling that tiredness in my spirit at the beginning of this week. I, I, I woke up on Monday morning just feeling miserable. Like my nose, like that nose and head crud you get, like when the weather constantly changes here in Texas, and like it's really not that big of a deal, but it just zaps your energy, right? And so I thought, you know what, this is going to be a long week, a long weekend. I'm going to stay home on Monday. I'm going to get well rested, and I'll be back in the office on Tuesday morning, and we'll get everything done, right? And then apparently there's something called thundersleet now. Like, I didn't know that was a thing. I think we're just making up weather terms at this point, but apparently there's a new thing called thundersleet, right? And it covered, our, uh, like covered ice all over our roofs and our roads, and then all of us were stuck at home. Our students, y'all weren't in school, which I know y'all were celebrating, but uh, like those, the rest of us were like, oh, you know? Um, <laughs> And so I was like, I'll go into the office. I'll get everything done. I'll get all the prep work. We'll get all the setup done on Tuesday. Tuesday rolls by, and I'm stuck at home again, and I'm still sick. And Wednesday rolls by, and well, okay, I'm, I'm still home. I'm still not feeling great, and I can't get out of the driveway because it's a solid sheet of ice, right? Thursday rolls around, and I'm like, I don't care how much ice is on the road. The weekend starts tomorrow. I've got to get up and do something, right? Uh, and, and 
it's just interesting to see where we are today because even even I knew like I was preaching on Sunday morning, so we had the weekend come in and I was preaching, uh, and I was behind on sermon prep because I didn't feel good. Like I knew what the message was going to be about, but I had nothing written down on paper, which is not normal for me. I, I usually like to gotta get a head start on all of this thing and. Um, and and we don't joke when we say that the weekend is a big endeavor. It's the biggest thing we do in student ministry every year. It takes months and months of planning and meetings and lunches and brainstorming sessions and plan B's and plan C's and then plan D's when those plans don't work. And uh, I mean, there's just so many things that go into it. And year after year, God shows up and God's goodness is on full display at the weekend. But there's always that nervous tension of, is he going to show up this time? Is he going to do something special this time? Is there going to be something that we can stand up in front of the church and report back that he did something incredible this week? And I just wasn't sure that I was going to be up to the task. I didn't feel good. I was tired. I was stuck at home for all the ice. I just wasn't sure how or what I was supposed to do. And it kind of made me think of this movie. Have you ever seen Frozen 2? Yeah? Yeah, if you if you have a little kid, you probably know what I'm talking about. Frozen Two. We we've got a five year old daughter, and so we've seen it at least thirty dozen times. Um, like I know all the songs by heart. Like I'm lost in the woods. Like that's my jam. It's my jam. I love that song, right? But even if you don't have kids, the movie holds up. Okay, so go home, Disney Plus, watch it this afternoon. Um, but, you know, it's about two sisters, Anna and Elsa, and they've got this little uh, magical snowman that walks around with them. And, and, and Anna's got a boyfriend who's best friends with a reindeer. And, like, it's solid movie quality, right? Um, but in Frozen 2, everything kind of falls apart for the sisters, right? There's a part in the movie where they get split up and, and end up going off in different directions, and they can't find one another. And, uh, and it kind of centers in on part of the movie on, on the sister, Anna. And her boyfriend gets lost in the woods. And they don't know where he's at, can't find the reindeer anywhere. And Anna is just sitting in this deep, dark cave with her and this little snowman who's like the happy-go-lucky, like, everything's great. You're like, I'm a snowman, you know? Um, But all of a sudden, even that goes wrong. And spoiler alert, I'm sorry, it's been out for years. You should have watched it by now. But um, the magic that keeps the snowman alive starts to dissipate, right? It starts to go away. And eventually, like, yes, I cried at this part of the movie, the snowman melts, right? And he disappears. And now you have Anna sitting there all by herself in this cave. And she has no idea what to do. She doesn't know which way is up. She doesn't know which step to take. I want y'all to watch this clip real quick. I've seen dark before, but not like this. This is cold. This is empty. This is numb. The life I knew is over. The lights are out. Hello, darkness. I'm ready to succumb. It's pretty depressing, isn't it? (laughs) I follow you around. I always have. But you've gone to a place I cannot find. This grief has a gravity. It pulls me down. But a tiny voice whispers in my mind. You are lost. Hope is gone. But you must go on. 
and do the next right thing. Can there be a day beyond this night? I don't know anymore what is true. I can't find my direction, I am all alone. The only star that guided me was you. Everybody grab the tissues, wipe away the tears. It's okay. We all feel it. It's, it's justified, right? No, but, but you've got Anna, and, and she knows the problems that she's going through, right? But she doesn't know what to do to fix them. Right? She's not sure that she can continue on. She's not sure that she can move forward, uh, accomplish the task that is set before her. But she says something so profound that I can do the next right thing. Even though I don't know what the end goal is or, or if I can get there, I can do the next right thing. And then I can take the next step and I can do the next right thing after that. And then I can do the next right thing and the next right thing and the next right thing until she has gotten to the place where she needs to be. We're going to dig into Acts chapter 3 here in just a minute. But I feel like this is what was probably very common feelings for the early disciples in the early church, right? What they must have felt like, that they felt lost, they felt all alone, they were, they were worried about which way they were supposed to go, are they going to be able to accomplish the mission, accomplish the task that Jesus had set in front of them, right? They had given Jesus everything, they had left their lives, they had left their families, they had left their livelihoods, everything they had known to follow after this Messiah who came and told them to follow after him, right? And everything was great at first. They got to sit at the feet of Jesus himself. They got to learn from the Savior of the world himself. They got to have that camaraderie and that friendship, that relationship with him, right? They got to learn from him. They got to see him perform signs and miracles and wonders and things that they would have never been able to ever explain. They got to hear about the kingdom of God from God himself, right? But they also faced intense persecution, 
The Bible tells us that a lot of people uh, came to know Jesus and would follow after him, but we also know that a lot of people didn't. A lot of people would turn away. A lot of people would hear that message and begin um, to scoff at Jesus and his disciples, not want to hear the message of the gospel that they were preaching. Their best friend, their Savior, their Messiah was led to a cross and murdered and crucified on the cross, and they had to sit there and watch it happen. And even after that, they had to go into hiding because most of them were scared and fearful that they would lose their own lives, that they would be killed themselves, right? And even after seeing Jesus resurrected and getting to see him back in bodily form and even see him go into heaven, he gives them this incredible task of going out to all nations to make disciples and to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. They were ordinary guys who'd been given an extraordinary task, and I can imagine that would have weighed on their shoulders, that they weren't really sure how to find the light, how to find the next step. What is it that we're supposed to do? I'm not qualified for what Jesus is asking of me. We've talked the last couple of months here in, in worship services here at this church uh, about the influence of the Holy Spirit in our lives and how it has uh, affected the early church and affected the early disciples as well, um, teaching them uh, uh, to not be fearful, right, to give them power, to give them stamina, to give them the wisdom that they can go out uh, and do the things that Jesus has asked them. The Holy Spirit gives a renewed passion to the early church, and the Holy Spirit continues to give us that sense of passion, that, that power to to push past the things that we're worried about, to push past the obstacles and the barriers that we feel like stand between us and where God wants us to go. And the Holy Spirit shows us how to do the next right thing. And so with that in mind, I want to dig into Acts chapter 3. So if you grab your Bibles and flip over to Acts chapter 3, it'll be on the screen as well. Um, but kind of unpack what I think God is wanting us to hear this morning about what it looks like to do the next right thing when we're not sure what the next right thing is. So Acts chapter 3, starting off in verse 1, it says, One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg for, from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. And Peter looked straight at him as did John. And Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Y'all, come on with it. Taking him by the right hand, he held him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. And then he went into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who had been uh, sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Y'all, Peter and John, in this really cool story, uh, they, they go to the temple for worship, right? They go to the temple for worship and prayer, and they walk into this really awesome story uh, that we're going to look at today. And as they enter the temple, they find this man uh, who's been lame. He's, his, his legs don't work. He's never been able to stand. He's never been able to walk uh, since birth. Someone, someone would every day, they would bring him to the temple to beg for money, right? You know, if you, can't, if you can't walk, if your legs don't work, it's hard to make a living for your family. And so they would bring him to the temple so that he could just ask for scraps, right? That, that anything left, even if it's like a nickel, can you just toss a nickel in my guitar case while I sit here and sing the blues, right? Like, I just have something uh, to, to live for, right? 
And I think it's interesting, it says that he sat at a temple gate called Beautiful, and regardless of the, the beautiful materials it was probably made out of, or, uh, or its placement in the temple, and the reason it was called Beautiful, um, something beautiful is about to happen here to, a, to somebody whose life uh, needs an impact by Jesus. So the beggar asked Peter and John for money, and again, they look at him and say, you know, we don't have any money for you, but what we do have is Jesus. What we do have is the healing power of the Holy Spirit. What we do have is the saving grace of Jesus in our life. And Jesus reaches down and he says, hey, it's time for you to get up and walk. And the Bible tells us that the man got up. His legs and his ankles became strong. It doesn't say that it took like a week. It didn't take a month. It says immediately he stood up and he began to walk, right? Stronger than he has ever been in his entire life. Y'all, that is incredible, the appealing power that Jesus has And I love what happens next. The lame man doesn't just walk away. He's like, oh, this is great. I've always wanted to run a marathon. I'll be right back. You know, and like he takes off out of the temple. But what does it say? He turns around and he runs laps up and down the temple praising God. Like half of you probably aren't going to get this. But like he was doing the gritty. Like, right? He was doing the gritty through the temple. Like, y'all. Look what happened to me. Like I was the same guy that was out there who couldn't walk. And look what happened because of the influence of Jesus in my life. And it says everyone in the temple recognized him. They would have known who he was and known that this was a miracle that had just happened, right? If you keep reading uh, further on in Acts chapter 3 in the next couple of verses, uh, past uh, verse 10, it says that it turns into an opportunity for Peter and John to then share the gospel with everybody else that is there. They saw this miracle that has happened, and Peter and John are like, all right, this is our setup. Let's go, y'all. And they walk in, and they're like, yeah, so you see that guy? That's because that's of Jesus. You want to talk about Jesus? Let's talk about Jesus for a little bit. And then go on to talk for the next two chapters, sharing the gospel with all of these people that are here at the temple, just kind of unassuming, thinking it's just going to be a normal, a normal day. And so what can we learn from this passage? All of this really cool story, this guy is able to walk again. What can that teach us, right? What can that teach us about what it is that God wants from us? We are the church on mission. What does that mean? What does that look like? And we're going to talk about three things this morning. Uh, But the first thing, uh, if you're taking notes this morning, if you take a screenshot of the screen, I think the first thing that really puts all of this in perspective for us, what God wants you to do is the next right thing. Just do the next right thing. You don't have to understand what the end goal is. We don't have to understand um, all of the different details. I'm a planner. I want to know details. Like, give me a task? Great. Okay, now I need to figure out every detail leading up to that task. Sometimes God just wants you to do the next right thing, right? He wants ordinary people like you and me, these disciples like Peter and John, to just be faithful, to go out, to do the next right thing, to trust in the power of the Holy Spirit, to lead them into these situations, to to do the next right thing, to talk to the next right person, to be faithful in the next right situation. That's what he expects. That's what he wants each and every single one of us to do, to be open and to be willing for the Holy Spirit to lead us into situations, to lead us into conversations, and be open and willing to be faithful in that next right thing that he asks of us. And so you might say, okay, then what is that? How do I know what the next right thing is? 
I'm tired, I'm frustrated, I'm burned out. I don't really know what it is that God wants me to do. I don't know what what he's asking of me. I don't know how he's gifted me. Maybe you're saying to yourself, you know, I'm not really sure that I understand all of this anyway. Maybe I just kind of feel indifferent. I come because church is a, it's a habit at this point. I feel like I'm supposed to be here, but I'm not really super passionate about it. How do I know what God wants me to do? How do I know what the next right thing is? And so this morning we're gonna look at three different things that I think are always the next right thing, the things that I think that God always wants us to do. And if we're not sure what to do next, I fully believe that we can do one of these three things and it will be the next right thing. And so the first thing this morning that we can do and we're not sure what the next thing is, the next right thing is always going to be to seek him out. God's people seek him out. I'll never forget early on in my ministry career, we had just moved to Dallas, like I think it was like 11 or 12 years ago at this point, uh, that we moved to Dallas. And I was praying about a ministry opportunity and, and asking God to open a door and, and be, not necessarily asking, more like demanding God to open a specific door and a specific role and a specific salary and a specific location. And like, you're going to do this, God, all right? You want, me to, you want me to be a minister? You want me to be a pastor? This is what I want it to look like, right? And so it was more of like demanding. And at one point, uh, we had just moved to Dallas. I, I thought he did. I thought he had opened the door. I thought he gave me exactly what I want. And I was like, all right, let's go jump in with both feet. Let's see what happens. And immediately I realized that was not the right door to walk through, right? Like red flags are popping up all over the place. I quickly realized that this is not a good situation. This is not where God intended me to be. I think it was a test to see if I would just trust him and follow after his will. But like I said, red flags were popping up everywhere. What was said in conversation is not what was done in person. And like I began to get confused and hurt and even kind of angry towards God. Like I thought I was doing the next right thing, God. I thought I was jumping in to the thing that you had for me. And I was trying to figure out what, what, what the answer was, what I was supposed to do. Uh, and I'll never forget, Natalie told me, uh, she goes, you know what you need to do? You need to spend time with God. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I know that. And she goes, no, for real. I want you to take the next two days, I want you to take the next 48 hours and do nothing else but spend time with God. I want you to turn off the TV. I want you to turn off your phone. I want you to not leave our apartment at the time. I want you to just stay here and spend time reading your Bible and spend time in worship and in prayer and at the time, I kind of scoffed, like, two days? That's forever, right? Like, I can't be without my phone or, or Netflix for two days. Are you kidding me? And, like, nowadays, like, you want to give me a week of that? Sure, come on. Like, I'll take it. And like, Justin, I'm jealous, man. You got three months of it. Like, I, I'm glad you're back, dude. It's good to see your face. Um, but, like, I would, I would fight for those two days at this point. But back then, I was kind of like, man, no, I don't want to. Okay, fine. I'll do it, you know, because you do what your wife tells you to do. Um, but I spent... <laughs> I spent those two days and I did it. I turned off the TV, I turned off my phone, and I, I just listened. I spent time reading the book of Proverbs, and I got to the end, and I started over, and I kept reading through Proverbs over and over and over. I spent time listening to worship music. I spent time praying and asking God, God, what is it that you want from me? What is it that I'm supposed to do? God, what is the next right thing? And in long story short, he said, it's, you need to get out of this situation, and I've already made a way for you to get out of this situation because you were never supposed to be in it in the first place, but you didn't listen to me in the first place, right? Now you're listening, 
And so God made a way for me to kind of step out and, and, and tell the people uh, that I was with that it, this just isn't the right fit. I, I think I need to move on. Uh, and you almost like, you know, when God's really working in something, you kind of get that holy validation like right away. Like I got yelled at like right away, like not, not encouraging like, oh, yeah, I'm glad you're following God. But like, how dare you, you know? And I was like, okay, cool. cool. I'm glad I listened to God and got out of here, right? But the, but the whole point of that is to say I needed to spend time with God. If I was going to understand what it was that God wanted from me, I had to be in his presence. I had to be listening to what it was that he was telling me to do. Uh, if you look in your Bibles in Mark chapter 3, verse 14, uh, this is, it's talking about Jesus. It says, Jesus appointed the 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. Even when Jesus called his original 12 disciples, the guys that he was going to instill the mission and the gospel in, the Mark chapter 3 tells us he first appointed them to be with him and then to go preach. He called them to be at his side, to build that camaraderie, to build that friendship. He called them to be with him so they would learn to lean on him, to depend on him in every situation, long before they were ever supposed to go out on the mission, long before they were ever supposed to do any of the gospel work. Their first and foremost priority was to spend time with Jesus. And that is true for us as well. We need to seek him out first and foremost. We are first called to be with God, to be with Jesus, to have that camaraderie. And then after we have that, after we have that foundation with him, then we can go out and do the work of the mission. Peter and John, where are they going at the beginning of this passage in Acts 3? They're going to the temple for worship, all right? I dare say that they weren't going there looking to heal people or, or to lead this in, like, new movement in the temple. They were going there for prayer and for worship. They were going to church, right? And we need this too. We need to find our way back to Jesus first. We need to spend time with Jesus before we ever let our feet start walking, before we ever let our mouths start talking. We need to find our place sitting at the feet of Jesus with our ears wide open and our heart wide open, listening to what it is that Jesus has for us. We need to spend time in prayer, talking to God. Did you know that you have full access to the God of the universe? I hope you know that. All you have to do is say, hey, God, and he's right there. You have full access to talk to God. We need to spend time talking to him. We need to spend time reading God's word. You want to hear what God's voice sounds like? It's right here. I tell our student ministry all the time, if you don't feel like you hear God, he's talking to you right here. All you have to do is open it up and read. We need to spend time at God's word. We need to find our way into good, godly community. That's why our staff and our pastors tell you week after week, we want you to be in church on Sundays. We want your kids and your students active here at church. We want you to be plugged in with a life group. We want you to be active in the missions that our church does because you need to be surrounded by that good, godly community that he has set up for you. That's why we open the doors. That's why we pay the electricity bill week after week. Because we want this place to be a safe haven that we can come and be in communion with God. That we can spend time with God. That we can learn what it is and who we are supposed to be long before we ever go out and do anything else. We are supposed to be close to him. The next right thing will always be for us to seek God out. The second thing that we can do, the next right thing that will always be right is God's people meet needs. It will always be right for us to meet needs. I want you to, uh, don't raise your hand because that's kind of awkward. But like, tell me, like, stop me if you've ever heard this story before, right? Or if you've ever made this deal with God before. Like, hey, God, it's me. 
Um, my, my finances are looking a little slim this month. Um, I'm not really sure where, where, where we can cut back. Like, I'm not giving up Netflix or Disney Plus because Brandon told me to watch Frozen. Um, I'm not really sure where to... God, we can't make our bills this month. And, and I, I just, I'm tired of worrying about money, God. Can you, I mean, can, can I wake up tomorrow morning and there'd be like, like a billion dollars? Like not two billion, but just like one billion. Like, has anybody ever made that deal with God before, right? Like, like God, I tell you what, if you, if you just like add a couple zeros to my paycheck or my bank account, I tell you what, uh, our church is doing five mission trips this year. I will pay for all of the mission trips. God, I will do that. If you give the money to me, I will meet the need. You give me the money and I'll figure out the plans, all right? I'll pay for every mission trip. I'll have to work during all of them and I won't go on them. But I will pay for everyone else who wants to go on a mission trip. Have you ever made that deal before, right? I don't know about you, but like the funny thing is that lottery, that lottery ticket never hits, right? Not, I'm not saying I bought one, but I'm saying the Powerball never hits, right? <laughs> uh, but no, seriously, my, my, like, even when I make that deal, like, God, can you just overwhelmingly bless us with resources so that I can go out and bless other people? God never makes that deal with me. And oftentimes I wonder, because I'm offering the deal to use my finances to meet needs, I'm not always offering the deal to meet those needs with my time and my effort. Like I said, I've offered God that deal. Like, I'll pay for all the mission trips. Anybody in the church that wants to go, God, if you give me the finances, I'll pay for them to go. I very rarely actually offer, like, God, if you make the finances work, I'll go on every mission trip that you want me to go on. I'll speak to every person it is that you want me to speak to. As Peter and John walk into the temple, this, this beggar asks them for money. He doesn't ask them for time. He doesn't ask them for effort. He doesn't ask them for healing. He just says, hey, can you toss some scraps my way? And I love what happens. Peter looks at him and he says, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have is way, way better. Get up and walk for the first time in your life. In the name of Jesus, experience the holy healing that only God offers and this man gets up and walks. All he wanted was a quick coin, a quick donation, something that he could take home and help feed his family. He didn't ask for time and effort, but John and Peter saw an opportunity. They saw the Holy Spirit leading them into a special moment that they could meet a greater need than to hand out a simple silver or gold coin. They saw this guy's need for healing in his life. They saw the need for their boldness to trust that God would heal him in that moment. They offered up to God the, the interrupting their schedule. They offered up their faithfulness in that moment and willingness to be used by Jesus. And they changed this man's life forever. They could have easily ignored him and nothing would have changed. Everything would have been status quo. But they gave up their time and their effort to speak into this guy's life. And I ask you this morning, how often, and I know this is convicting for me, how often do we promise to throw finances into meeting a need, but we refuse to offer our time and effort to meet the needs that God puts in front of us? How many times do we skirt our responsibility in situations and miss a chance to make a personal connection with someone, to offer them the holy and powerful healing that Jesus has for each and every one of our lives? How many times do we miss that? Because we're relying on too many other things than just doing the next right thing, to just be faithful to what God has asked us to do. 
There's a folk story uh, that I read this week uh, about a theologian that goes to, uh, he gets invited to go to the Vatican and he meets with the Pope and as he walks in, uh, the Pope is sitting at this big table uh, and this was like a couple hundred years ago, um, so it's not like present day, but it's kind of more of a folk story, but he walks in and the Pope is sitting at this big table and he's just sitting there counting gold coins and he looks at the theologian and he's like, hey, come on in, isn't this awesome, right, right? No longer can the church say, silver and gold, we have none. How incredible is that? And the theologian looks at the Pope and he says, yeah, that's great. That's true, but, but neither can we say in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. Too often we put our priorities, we rely on the wrong things to meet needs. Sometimes God wants you to meet the needs, not necessarily our finances. God's people will meet needs, and don't get me wrong, Sometimes those needs are financial. Sometimes we need to cut a check. Sometimes we need to be willing to use the blessings that God has given us to meet needs in other people's lives. But we can't only rely on that. That's what I'm saying. We have to understand that sometimes God wants your time. He wants your effort. He wants your physical presence and your faithfulness in those situations to meet a need. Doing the next right thing will always be to meet the needs that we see around us. The last thing this morning, something that will always be the next right thing, we sang it a minute ago, God's people tell of his goodness. Uh, when Peter and John heal this man, what happens next? It says that he gets up and runs through the temple. He gets up and runs back and forth and tells all the people, look what happened. These two guys told me about Jesus and now look at me. I couldn't walk, and now I'm literally doing laps. I'm jumping up and down, praising God. He could have been satisfied to be healed and go back to live the life that he always wanted. He could have been satisfied to go home and, and tell his family and get back to work and, and do all of these different things. But he didn't do anything else other than get up and go and tell God's people about God's goodness in this moment. And they recognized who he was. They recognized the incredible uh, impact of what God's goodness had in that moment. They realized that he was the man who could not walk and now he's jumping up and down praising God. How in the world is he able to do that? And what's even better, in come Peter and John, like I said a second ago, and it gives them an opportunity to preach and share the gospel with countless other lives, countless other people that needed healing in different facets in one way or the other. It gave them an opportunity when they were faithful to preach God's goodness and when this lame beggar jumped up and went and told about God's goodness, it opened the door for even more gospel conversations. Because the people in that temple, they needed to hear about God's goodness too. They needed to experience healing too. They might have been able to walk. Their healing might have looked a hundred different ways that they needed it. But hearing about the goodness of God opened their hearts to hear about the message of the gospel and what it would do for healing in their own lives. Y'all, too often I think we find ourselves in this place of feeling inadequate or we feel incompetent or we feel indifferent or, or we're just not sure what, what it is that we're supposed to do, right? Like, what, what does God want me to do? How am I supposed to follow after God? We feel incapable because we're tired and we're busy and we're really not sure how to, how to get our schedules in order or we're tired because of past failures where we tried to be faithful to God and we kind of screwed up. We tripped up. We messed up the situation. We thought we were doing the right thing. 
And it just kind of left a sour taste in our mouth. It just kind of left that sense of burnout in our mouth. Or we're tried or tired because we've been trying to do this on our own for far too long. Maybe we're not relying on the strength of the Holy Spirit or God, but we're trying to do this by ourselves. Maybe we feel indifferent because we feel out of place, right? Or we feel like God's going to call us out of our comfort zones. He's going to ask us to do something that I'm, I'm not excited about, I'm not comfortable with. Or maybe we feel indifferent because we just never had the passion in the first place for the mission of the gospel. Hear my heart this morning, church. It's time for us to get up and do the next right thing. It's not good for us to sit in our seats any longer. We have got to get up out of our seats. And we've got to follow after God and what his will is for our life. It's time for us to go out and seek God in every situation of our life to depend and rely on his strength above our own. It's time for us to get up out of our seat and go meet needs, whether that is financial or whether that's time and effort and faithfulness. It's time for us to meet the needs of a world that is broken and hurting all around us. It's time for us to get up and go tell people about how awesome God is, to tell them about his goodness to tell them about his grace, to tell them about the savior that we have in Jesus, that nothing else will ever compare to having that relationship with a good, loving savior. Y'all, we've got to get up. We've got to do something. It's not good for us to sit still and ignore the mission that God has put in front of us. And I know it's hard. Hear me this morning. Hear my heart. It's hard. I felt that this week. I didn't want to get out of bed. I didn't want to write the sermon. I didn't want to go and build a ninja warrior course down the hallway because that equipment is heavy, right? I didn't want to do any of that. I was just tired. But I could do the next right thing. I could stand up and be faithful in the next right thing. I could show up and move a couch. I could show up and move a chair. I could show up and put t-shirts in a bag. Shout out to Heather Countryman for keeping us organized this weekend. You're awesome. I could get out of my comfort zone. I could push past all of the indifference and the inadequate feelings and the frustration and the anxiety that I feel so constantly in my life. And I can do the next right thing. And then I can do the next right thing after that. And then I can be faithful in that next conversation. And I can be faithful when somebody asks me to pray for them. And I can be faithful to meet a financial need. I can be faithful to show up to church week in and week out. I can be faithful to teach my children the gospel. Church, we need to do the next right thing. And that will always be getting closer to God, to getting closer to Jesus, to meeting the needs that he puts in front of us to telling people about his goodness. Y'all, Peter and John, they could have stayed home that day. They could have stayed in their seat that day and nothing would have changed. That man would have been still sitting at that temple begging for scraps. But because Peter and John were faithful to do the next right thing, they changed his life forever. They introduced healing into this man's life. And they shared the gospel with every single person in that temple. 
So I want to leave you with one last challenge this morning. It's more of a question. What is God asking you to do? I'm not talking about the big, scary goal at the end of the road. I'm talking about the next right thing. What is God asking you to do? And are you going to be faithful to do it? Would you all pray with me? God, we come before you today. God, we're humbled, but we're also thankful that you would bring us into this place, God, and that you would just remind us of how deeply you love each and every one of us, that you have called us your children. God, we praise you for that. We praise you for, our good, for the goodness that you've made evident in each and every one of our lives. God, would you show us what the next right thing is? God, would you show us how we can be faithful to you? Would you show us the people that you want us to reach, the mission that you want us to accomplish? God, would you remind us and encourage us with the power of the Holy Spirit, with your strength, not our own strength? God, would you just help us? Would you just be with us? Would you help us to get up off the ground, get up out of our seat? God, would you give us the strength to be faithful? God, we love you. Jesus, we praise you this morning for your goodness. Speak to us even now. It's in Jesus' name I pray.